Hey, what do you expect? And we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog the Magnificent Show? TV podcast. I'm Matt Apple. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. I'm still searching for my mojo a little bit today. Uh, really, really burning the candle at both ends, doing a lot of shows. Had three yesterday. We're counting down to 300. If nobody cancels out and pulls a no show on me, uh, Friday night at 8 p.m. will be my 300th episode. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Not that it's a huge accomplishment, but it, uh, you know, very few podcasters get to 300 episodes. So it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a badge of honor and I am looking forward to it. Uh, I can tell you this, this is a line I've been waiting to, to use on this program, uh, for a long time. Uh, don't expect too much from this show today. And I promise you won't be disappointed. <laughs> uh, and I say that kind of jokingly because my guest today is all about uh, managing expectations. And so uh, looking forward to a, a very uh, stimulating conversation about that. Before I bring him in, uh, I, I just want to talk briefly about my sponsors. Uh, and let's start with mybookie.com. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, MyBookie.com is one of the most popular and trusted brands in the online gambling community. Its sportsbook offers an incredible variety of sports from American staples such as football and basketball to international sports such as KBO, rugby, and cricket. It even offers wagers on entertainment and politics. And if you bet on Donald Trump, Sorry, you lose. I'm sorry. And, and simulated sports uh, video games such as Madden 21 and NBA 2K21. If you're looking for a line on your favorite TV show and what the hell are you betting on about a TV show, uh, you can most certainly find it at mybookie.com. You know, you can never underestimate gamblers. I'm telling you, my, my dad has most people who listen to this program know was a compulsive gambler and uh you you can't underestimate the kind of things they would bet on they would bet on just about anything including a television show my bookies casino options are as plentiful as its sports books there are 27 different table games such as blackjack and roulette and almost 300 unique slot options 77 of which are 3d you can play live table games and video poker. Uh, to get started with them, just go to mybookie.com. And if you use the promo code MINDDOG when signing up, uh, they're going to match your first deposit. Uh, so let's say you want to bet with $100. Uh, you deposit $100 of which to play with. Uh, it's going to instantly become $200. They will match it uh, all the way up to $1,000. So uh, that's the max you can get on that match offer. So uh, use the promo code MINDDOG when you go to mybookie.com and bet your ass off, baby. <laughs> uh, also today, speaking of money... Uh, Fundwise Capital, a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds and no, no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. That's right. I did say start. If you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, and I don't mean just an idea, you have to have a solid business plan thought out, documented with the accountants, marketing plan, marketing directors, the whole spiel, but write it out, document it well. You can get funding to start your business. Uh, they can help you get the funding, get the best uh, funding you can qualify for. The strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, uh, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide uh, unsecured learn. The uh, unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, uh, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. Uh, they work with real estate startups, like I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started with them, you don't even need a, pro a promo code. You just go to apply.funwise.com slash dog. It's apply.funwise.com slash dog. The links will be in the description, and I surely do appreciate you patronizing my sponsors. Uh, now, uh, as I mentioned, uh, today is all, this show is about uh, expectation, managing expectations and uh, uh, really defining, uh, you know, what, what is meant. And oddly enough, we had a new sponsor. I was just got off the uh, Zoom call with him and 
the subject of managing those expectations uh, came up a, a couple of times in a couple of different ways. My guest today kind of focuses on that and he uses improv to teach that kind of stuff. Uh, ben Winter uh, has led an pretty extraordinary life, uh, a very full life uh, from piloting planes by himself to uh, scuba diving in the Galapagos, things that most uh, of us average and people don't ever get to do in their lives. But his biggest passion is exploring uh, the mind and uh, and all of his personal growth work. Uh, The one constant uh, that it all stems from the mind uh, between personal growth and improv, he found this weird realm called expectations. And while most people would shy away from such a thing, he decided to tackle it head on. Along his journey, he decided that the only reason anyone gets upset is because an expectation hasn't been met. Uh, I, I want to add a little bit to that when I bring him in, uh, and I, I'll, I'll talk, to, talk to him about this. But uh, he began teaching... Uh, managing expectations in his success improv business. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Ben Winter. Ben, welcome to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so uh, the one line in there, the only reason someone gets upset is because an expectation hasn't met, hasn't been met, and that's uh, if it's a positive expectation. But I want to say the only reason, some, some one reason somebody might be very happy if a negative expectation wasn't met, right? I mean, that's definitely an inaccurate statement because, you know, you don't want things to happen that are negative. So if they don't, that's great. <laughs> right. So so I have a lot of uh, negative expectations. I had negative expectations about um, a lot of the things that are going on in the world and when they, you know, current events and stuff. And when they don't happen, I'm very pleased. And, and I kind of almost got into a habit of doing that intentionally setting myself up expecting the worst so that when it doesn't happen i can be happy about it uh i guess i'm an odd duck but i mean uh, it's kind of it's it's playing with your mind a little bit to to psych yourself out yeah yeah but you even though you set that negative expectation you still have that other expectation of like well if i set this negative expectation then maybe i'll get the positive side of it so right yeah. and and uh, i want to i want to get into your theory about all this stuff of, uh, but first i want to tell you about my guest yesterday who it, he was uh uh james goy jr was he was here to talk about using the power of the mind to attract money and part of what you know it's the law of attraction stuff and part of what he teaches is expectations expectancy uh, even if they're unrealistic, will will help that become a reality. Now that seems to be counter to to what we're going to talk about today. Is it, or is it just my perception? It, it's slightly your perception. Um, there is definitely a correlation there, and um, using the power of the mind to get what you want, you do have to expect it. Uh, the problem is, is that we expect it quicker than. Um, the manifestation can actually happen. So when you say, this is what I want five, 10, 15 years down the road, and it doesn't happen in five, 10 or 15 years, but it might happen in six, seven or eight years or an extra two years after, um, if you continue with that expectation, it will actually happen. Um, but that's the, that's the trick to manifestation. We're not patient enough with it, which is why most people aren't good at it. <laughs> right. So, so the, the, the key there right is to set the expectations very clearly including the time frame uh don't be don't and, and i think sales people can relate to this it's and it came up in my uh previous call with the with the zoom meeting with a sponsor that will be starting tomorrow is that you you want to under promise and over deliver <laughs> and so and that even comes with yourself when you're kind of setting your goals and setting expectancy of of when you when you're going to be able to manifest uh, money into your life or whatever it is is uh under promise as far as the time frame goes and over deliver so if it comes in earlier than you expect it you're going to be very happy right? yeah i mean that is that is a sales tactic and some people appreciate it some people see it and you know everybody has their expectations of the salesperson. The salesperson has their expectations of the other people. And sometimes they 
are great sometimes there's conflict right so how does this work with with what you do uh, you know success improv business so t- uh, tell me a little bit about that because uh when i think of improv i think of like uh performing arts and comedy and stuff so uh explain to me what what, what it is you actually do <laughs> yeah so most people when i tell them what improv is they've seen the show whose line is it anyway right, right and that's the type of improv that i've done for over a decade and so that's what's called short form improv and many many years ago i i was uh watching a show and after the show they say hey we have classes you should sign up and um, learn how to do improv and i always had the self thought of i'm not funny enough i'm not smart enough i'm not fast enough there's no way i could possibly do improv and it actually took my now ex-wife um, to enroll in an improv class to take away all the excuses for me. So I was like, well, okay, if she can go do an improv class, so can I. And the first thing they say is that there are rules to improv. And if you follow the rules of improv, you'll be successful. And I was like, I can follow rules. What are these rules you speak of? And <laughs> I ended up taking this class. I followed the rules exactly as they they. They kind of outlined them. And I absolutely had the most fun I've ever had in my life being up on stage. And after many, many years of doing that, many years of exploring the mind, many years of having a business, I kind of found this wonderful meshing of all those three things. And I created a new company called Success Improv, where I teach those five, the five main rules of improv um, and how they apply to business life. And it kind of has be morphed into team building. So I, I primarily do team building because people assume you're doing improv. Improv is fun. Fun is team building. So I'm like, that's fine. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you mentioned five rules. Now I'm only aware of one and um, I might be even wrong about it, but I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm under the impression that the rule of improv is just to say yes and uh, where where does it go from there? Uh, am, am I correct? And that's the first rule, I guess, right? <laughs> oh, uh, I actually place that as the second rule of improv. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, which, <educate> me. <laughs> but it is, you ask most people, and that is the one rule that they, they mostly remember. You know, the first rule of improv that I, I think of is don't deny. Um, don't deny is really just accepting what's happening at this very moment. And a moment is just, you know, a snap of a finger. That's what's happening right now. Yes. And is kind of like, yes, I'm accepting what what's happening at the moment and I'm adding to it. Um, so the, I've separated the two because don't deny really is important to accept what's happening at the very moment. And if you're not accepting of what's happening, there's no way you can continue on and build and grow from there. Um, and yes, and is very different than yes, but. And in life, a lot of the times we're like, well, yeah, this is happening, but that's not what I wanted, aka expectations. Like, but it's not how I want it. So this isn't okay. Whereas yes, and really says, okay, this is what's happening. And what can I do? How can I be? Uh, what can I contribute? And how can I add to this to move forward in life? And, uh, it's, it's very peaceful. So most of the time things don't throw me off because I'm just ex- expecting and accepting whatever happens around me so that I can just kind of use it, move along with it and go from there. Mm. Who, who's responsible for the expectations? Well, yourself. <laughs> if you, like, do you have a different come from from that? But um Basically, like if you have an expectation, you're responsible for that expectation, right? And, but and and so uh, if if we accept the the premise, and I I do accept the premise that uh, most of the time when we find ourselves getting upset, it's because our expectations weren't met. But the tendency is for me, if, when that happens, to blame somebody who gave me that expectation, the salesperson <laughs> or my boss or uh, my wife or w- whatever. Uh, it, the, the tendency is for us to look out and say, well, they made me expect this in a way. If we're conscious that it was the expectation, if we, we take it that far to be conscious about it, that, okay, my expectation wasn't met and that's why I'm upset, uh, we're not going to take responsibility for it. It's, it's always the other person who made us expect that. 
that is what we do in society. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing that I found in all of this is that most of the time when we get upset, we didn't even realize we had the expectation of ourselves or of the other person. And so we get upset because they didn't, they didn't do what we wanted them to do. Right. Uh, but they didn't know that we had that expectation of them. And had they known about that expectation, we probably would have had something what's called communication and dialogue. Again, something we suck at as a society these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but with dialogue and communication, you can come up with a reasonable negotiation of, yes, let's do this. This works. Or now I don't agree with your expectation. Can we change it? And and I think that's what's missing a lot is a we don't know we had the expectation of b we don't talk about them nearly enough. Right. Well, as I mentioned, I was just on a Zoom call right before this program with a uh, potential uh, sponsor that's actually going to be starting tomorrow. But uh, the guy who owns the company, he was really trying to push hard, like like getting me to kind of give him what to expect is how many people uh, were going to be coming to his service to sign up for it. And I kept coming back to, I don't want to set though. I don't want you to expect anything because uh, first of all, radio, you know, this is like radio and it's based on repeat things. Uh, but in marketing, especially we're taught, uh, you know, you have to touch people with seven, the same message in seven different ways before they ever take action on it. So, uh, you know, you can't, you know, I'm doing everything I can not to have him expect too much uh, up front, but kept pushing, wanting some kind of number that he could kind of hold on to. So I felt like, you know what, if you're going to keep pushing me for expectations uh, and force me to give you a number, if it, and, to your point and to, to the point of everything that you're, you're, you're teaching here is uh, I, if, if I give you a number because you forced me to, and it doesn't come up to that number, you're going to be disappointed. And so I, I don't want to set unrealistic expectations. I can tell you what other people have gotten from uh, the, you know, using this system and, and repeat, uh, you know, repeating the message enough to, so that it gets in and how much action people take. But beyond that, when people come to your website or people come to check it out, uh, we can only just drive traffic there. We can't guarantee any, any number of signups and all that stuff. But it was a difficult conversation to have because people want you to set expectations for them. So how, how do you, um, how do you get past that? Or what do you, what do you say to people about that when teaching this idea about expectations? Well, I think exactly what you did. You explain the situation and you say, you know, the purpose of you sponsoring is to drive traffic to your website, to your social media, to your marketing. To your um, offer. Because, right? yeah, to your offer. And if you have a bad offer, if you have a bad website, things aren't going to convert. Right. Um, you know, you could have a 100,000 people watching your show. And if 1% of them go to that person's website, I mean, that's a thousand people, right. you know, a thousand people, you're likely to get a sale. Um, but if your website is not set up to convert, you know, that's on you. That's, right. that's your wasted marketing dollars. Um, but I think just specifying like, this is the number of people we have on average watching the show. Um, if they're interested, they're going to go to it. If they're not, they're not. Um, and to your point, here's what's happened with past sponsors. Uh, and, also to your point, I think it's more than seven uh, touch points now. I think it's actually closer to 15 with so many people marketing to so many people these days. Yeah, uh, probably. So they have to repeatedly uh, be a sponsor for anything, for anybody to actually take action because sometimes somebody will hear the sponsor and they'll say, that's a good idea. Let me do that after the show. And then after the show, they forget. Right. So then the next show, they're like, oh yeah, I was going to do that. And then it takes four or five times where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this while I'm on my phone, blah, 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 you know, and then they'll go to it. Right. And so I think the conversation you had couldn't have probably not gone any better. It's like, here's what I know. Here's the information I have. I'm not going to give you a number. And if that's a deal breaker, that's a deal breaker. 
Yeah, and, and I, I I come back to this idea that if I would have given him a solid number and and didn't happen uh, at, within a month or two months, whatever the expectation was set, then he was gonna he would be quick to blame me for setting that expectation in his mind when it's you know uh, I was doing everything I could to not set any expectation and just uh, say you know. That we learn from this process. It's not something that is ever set in stone. And there are too many variables and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think to your point about dialogue, that's really important about that in managing those expectations. Uh, um, when you talk about team building, though, um, that can be a very difficult thing because, uh, you know, I can think back to a marketing firm that I worked for five or six years ago for, I worked there for about three years before retiring. And, uh, first the, the CFO was the guy who came in and wanted to ask me questions about how I go about t- team building. And th- this was really important to him. And so he asked me, what's my, what's my philosophy and what's my approach to team building? I gave him some bullshit answer that, you know, out of a self-help book that I had read or whatever. And he didn't even listen. He, j- he just wanted to know I had an answer. And, okay, <laughs> well, I had an answer. That was good enough for him. Uh, so w- how does, <laughs> uh, how does the, what you teach play into team building? Because I'm really curious about how that would work, seeing how, how really inefficient companies uh, are at that and how little attention they really pay to that. It seems like a task they know they have to do, but, and so I'll go in and ask them what his approach is to this, but I won't really listen. It'll all go over my head. As long as he says something, I know I got a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so I'm going to answer that with a little bit of contrast. So most people, when they think of a team building activity, they think of um, like going out to the bar after work or going go-karting. Or going to like a paintball thing or, you know, something, some kind of activity. Uh, And unfortunately, what happens at those is that you have that one guy in the team who's just uber competitive. And so they're just out there trying to win whatever the whatever it is that's going on. And then there's other people who are just not even interested in that activity. Um, They'll just watch everybody else do the go kart. Or you'll end up where there are drinks involved and you'll have that one guy who just drinks too much and then other people who don't want to drink. And so you start to see these other sides of people and it actually rips the people apart because you start to see who you're more likely to hang out with, who you're not going to hang out with, who you, you kind of see their true colors. And it just doesn't, doesn't really help anything because then the next day you're like, well, John drinks like a crazy person and he's a, he's a jerk when he drinks. So I'm not going to hang out with that guy. It's not the type of person I want to be around. Um, so I, I look at traditional team building as just kind of worthless. Um, it's, it's a waste of money and it doesn't help. Um, unless you have like five people who just happen to be like best friends and they all drink the same and they're all competitive, then so be it. Um, but that's not usually the case in a, in a company. Now, what I found with improv and the team that I play improv with is that we are super, super tight. Um, we can go through just about any situation and we work really well together. Um, like there was one show that I showed up at and I was just, I was frazzled. Like traffic was horrible. Like I was running late. Everything was just crazy. And they saw me being really frazzled and they're like, Ben, go take five minutes. We'll handle this. And, you know, it was like we could we can read each other because we do improv together. And so by teaching improv, you actually create these rules where it's easier for people to work together, to come together. And they're unified under this these set of rules. And it really helps to um, structure that communication that really helps people work better together. It it creates a unified language where if I'm having a problem with Stacy because of her work ethic or because she did something wrong with the project or my boss is hovering over me to get something done, you know, I can have dialogue in a new and efficient way. And that's team building when you can work more efficiently and be better at productivity because of something. Um, that's kind of a really good return on investment. So that's kind of the approach that I take with it. I, I got you. So you're the, the team is already built. You're kind of 
building um you're building cohesiveness within the team it, it, but you know when i think of team building yeah all that stuff that you mentioned goes into that once the team is set in place but team building really starts at the hiring process and that's where i i was going where it's it really is weak at that point and so i guess you're of the belief that uh you can take a a, a team that has been shabbily put together and make them a stronger team using these skills, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's absolutely one approach. And honestly, if you do the same, uh, it's a similar, similar class, but different uh, come from, which is basically the, the corporate culture. Um, You can actually use improv as a basis for the uh, corporate culture, which then drives who gets hired, how they get hired and the whole hiring process. So there's several ways to do it. And like I said, this isn't this wasn't just created just to do team building. That's kind of the niche that it's fallen into. Um, but if people want humor in the workplace or a better work environment, it works the same way. And so in that case, building a team through hiring is automatically affected by it. So yeah, you can take the shambled group that's already been put together and actually bring them together so that they work well. Um, but that also drives new hires to be even even better new hires. Gotcha. Uh, it, it would see, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and take an educated guess that uh, the stuff that you are, if you approach a CEO or a CFO, whoever's going to make the decision on hiring you to, to help with this stuff, you're going to find uh, a lot more acceptance in people under 40 uh, uh, people, older people, the curmudgeons that I work with don't want humor in the workplace for, for the most part that I see. And they are very, um, and, and I, I know I'm generalizing here, but, uh, I, I, I believe this is true. And it, it's not just prejudice. It's, it's from experience, uh, that most of these uh, older people, older guys who are running companies and it's usually men, I, you know, women are, can be more open to new ideas on how to build, uh, how to approach team building, but the old guys that that are you know old school, you know, they uh, think this is a bunch of uh, new age fooey, and wh- why would I get involved in this stuff? It's a hard work. We need a drill sergeant for a foreman, uh, and that's all that matters. Yes, I mean that would not be my client. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying it's probably it's probably the people who are uh, hiring you are probably younger and more, um, I don't know, open minded to to new ideas and this kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Uh, You know, you have to be open to a different way of looking at things, because if you're like I said, if your your usual approach is team building that goes out, you leave early, you spend all this money um, and you get nothing as a result of it. Uh, you do have to kind of change your mind. Like, okay, let's have fun internally for two to three hours and actually get something for our money. Like that's, that's a new way of thinking when it comes to team building. So, 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 uh, bottom line is you believe that, um, fun can lead to more productivity within workers, right? Well, I know when I have a smile on my face, I'm way more productive. So I agree. I, I, I would agree with you, but I, I think a lot of, again, a lot of the old curmudgeonry, uh, and I can, I'm just drawing off of my experience. Uh, those guys seem to, you just muted your mic, by the way. I don't know if you, that was purpose. but, um, uh, a lot of these old guys are just counter to that. They, and I've not, I've known several guys who, and somebody said it to me the other day. Too much fun going on around here. As somebody who's an administrator where he works, and I was on the phone with him, he said, you know, too much laughing going on, too much too much having a good time. And I, I remember thinking at the time, well, that seems like you probably have a, a, a staff that is going to be happy to come to work and probably producing more. He didn't want to hear any of that uh, from me. So and Exactly what I was going to say is if, if I'm excited to go to work, guess what? I'm going to be there early and I'm going to do a really good job. And so, you know, I've worked at a place where it was, it was quiet. Everybody was just heads down working. Nobody was having any fun, at least that I could tell. And I, I didn't enjoy being there. I wanted to leave as quickly as possible. So if it was more fun, I probably would have stuck around and actually I might've done more work. Right. Uh, So, um, 
everybody know, or it's a common uh, belief that public speaking is the, uh, one of the greatest fears people can have. I think improv is probably up there on that list, though. Uh, so um, how do you take somebody who's really shy or inhibited about getting involved in this and encourage them to take the first step? I know you said you did it because uh, your wife did it and you felt like there was no excuse. Uh, but, you know, in the workplace, if somebody doesn't have that kind of peer pressure of their their husband or wife with them to, to sign up first, how do you get somebody to take that first step and, and lose a little bit of their inhibitions to start this in an honest and, and uh, forthright way and give it a real shot? Well, if they're just looking to do improv, I just encourage them. Like, it's it's way easier than you think. Um, in fact, the, the reality is the less you think, the better you are at improv. Um, oddly enough, because if you're thinking about, well, we're talking about um, mom and dad and a clean house, and you think, well, this is how it needs to go. But then somebody takes an immediately left turn and now you're like, well, that's not where I wanted to go. You've overthought it. You're not going to keep up. You're already kind of in that denial stage and you're going, yes, but uh, turn around. And that's just that's that doesn't work. So I just tell people, I'm like, just turn your brain off, follow the rules and you'll be fine because improv, the way that improv is set up, it, it the humor takes care of itself. And so I just encourage people, if they want to do improv, go take a class. Um, The only people you're going to make that are going to even come close to laughing at you are the people in your class. And ideally, you want them to be laughing because that's improv. Um, Plus, there's no greater relief than knowing that if you fail on stage and you're doing improv, people actually accept it. They're like, oh, no, well, he's doing improv. He's on stage. Uh, It's cool that he totally screwed that up because I don't want to be up on stage. And most of the time you don't screw up. So it doesn't even matter. Or you take that screw up and you're like, okay, I screwed up. And what can I do with that? And that's what beauty about a team is the team is around you to catch you when you fall and vice versa. Well, that resonates with me 100%. Uh, and everything you said in that answer, and there, there was a couple of things in there. But uh, I think a lot of podcasters uh, would, could take a lesson from that in that um, the reason so many guys rely on uh, guys and gals. I know I, whenever I say stuff, I got to be more inclusive. Um, but many people rely on scripted questions is that fear of, you know, what if it, I want it to go this way. And what if, what if it takes a left turn? And so they put, they script that out. And then when, as soon as it does take a left turn, those scripted questions uh, don't make any sense now because you just answered that in in a short word. So now I can't ask that question again. And so relying on that and having that expectation of where it's going to go and having that set in your mind, the minute it does take a left turn, you don't have anywhere to go. And and that's when panic sets in and it just becomes a train wreck. Uh, The other part of that is I had expect expectations of a train wreck on last night's eight o'clock program. Um, uh, only because I it, that built up because of a previous guest I had who was similar to the guest I had planned for last night, and the correspondence that went on during the week. And he, here's here's the thing: the guy uh, wrote to me several times during the week and said he wanted to know the questions I was going to ask him. And I was like, I don't do that. I don't pre-think the questions I, I'm going to ask you. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you what they were because oh, this is about spontaneity. It's about being honest and truth, uh, truthful. And people will respond to your message better if you're just relaxed and in the moment and having that conversation. But he wrote to back to me several times really wanting to know what the questions were. And I was like, this is not going to go good. This is not going <laughs> to go good. And so it didn't go good. But I was very relaxed in the moment, expecting it not to go well and, and having fun with it. And I got a lot of feedback with it and said, wow, you know, you were right. Because I told people up front, I, I'm expecting a train wreck for this show. <laughs> and uh, but laughing it off and really going with the humor of it and saying, you know, it's OK to to have this moment. It was kind of relaxed and funny and humorous and make the most out of it. So that all plays into what you're saying. So I think anybody who's been in the entertainment field at all can relate to what you're talking about. And, you know, especially if you're like 
in a band or an acting troupe or whatever. It's, you know, having that trust there of, you know, we're all going to support each other no matter what happens. Uh, there is no wrong here. We, we're all, everything's going to be okay. And, and the last thing I will say about this is, um, you know, that pressure you mentioned to, to have to be funny. That is a, a, an unre- unrealistic fear because uh, nobody's expecting you, you to be. It's not like you're doing stand-up comedy and they paid to see you. It, it, it's and, and you know and it's not brain surgery. It's not it's not rocket science. Nobody's going to die if you if you don't make them laugh. So you know, chances are you're going to make them laugh if you don't feel that pressure. So, uh, but that's a hard lesson to to, to say. It's like telling somebody to relax. You tell somebody to relax, and automatically they tighten up, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, I was setting up another podcast interview, and the person was like, "Do you want to? Do you want to know the questions up front, or just wing it?" And I was like, "Well, I do improv, so I want to wing it." Yeah, <laughs> uh, because because the, the the conversation should just flow; it should be natural. I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, and um, and that is my preference. Like, I don't want the questions up front. I just. I want I want to see where it goes just as much as the other person. Yeah, I think and, the audience would be able to tell if we had the scripted and I was asking you questions you already had rehearsed the answers for. I think the audience would know that right off the bat. I'm right, sorry to and, interrupt you. And <laughs> if I wasn't an expert at what I'm talking about, it would it would be pretty obvious. And yeah. since I know what I'm talking about, I'm able to just speak, um, you know, from the hip on that. Right. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love is in the movies some of the funniest scenes in movies have been improvised. Um, and there are actors out there who just will not, they will not go off script. They will not do improvisation. Um, and then there's others who that's like their primary thing. They just want to improv. You know, some of our favorite Marvel movies, there's lots of improv happening there. You can look that up on Google. You can see the scenes that where that happens. And some of the best scenes in, in cinema are in some of those Marvel movies, just because of the improv. And right. uh, I, I know there's some movies out there like best in show, which is almost all improvised and some actors that's, that's their favorite way to do it. And I, I've done of it. I've done a movie yeah. and I stayed on script and it didn't feel natural. And if I could have done it again, I absolutely would have gone off script a lot. And yeah. I realized after the fact that the director would have given me that latitude. So. Wow. Uh, was was it a, a, a major movie or independent film? Uh, it's an independent film. Um, I'm pretty sure I was, it was over 10 years ago when this was filmed. Maybe not 10 years, maybe like eight. Um, but this guy is probably still working on it in his basement. I, <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever get done, Yeah. but his, it's like this huge tribute to 1950s sci-fi. And um, well, I can relate to, to that working <laughs> on a movie forever because I've been working on one for four years and people keep asking me when's it going to be done. I had, uh, you know, I almost lost incentive or uh, to, to compare. Uh, complete it with the with the COVID stuff because they shut down all the film festivals. Uh, I was really psyched about completing it for that. Uh, but you mentioned the improv in movies. One of the most memorable scenes in Goodfellas. And I was just thinking about this this morning. Is Joe Pesci's uh, uh, funny how funny? You know, let him answer. He's a big boy. He, he let him let him say what he wants. That was all improv from Pesci, uh, and it was kind of uh, remembering some of the, the good fellows he knew in New Jersey growing up uh, and seeing that in, in the bars. But that wasn't in the in the original script. That was just Pesci uh, improvising, and 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 it's one of the most memorable. It is the most memorable part of that movie. If you bring up Goodfellas, that's the one line that people will, uh, you know, repeat over and over again is, is that, oh, what are you, funny guy? Funny guy? Funny how? <laughs> I'm, what am I, a clown? What am I here to amuse you? You know? Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned about um, this, this, your your stuff before you you kind of discovered this niche of expectation. So you've always been a guy who has to li- live a little bit on the edge, right? Uh, and and look for excitement and other things. Uh, is this life exciting for you? And and the is it you know is it drive you a passion to kind of teach these improv skills? I would think after you know scuba diving in the Galapagos and doing those kind of things. Um, <laughs> it would be kind of boring. 
<laughs> oh, it's actually really fun. Uh, in all the travels I've ever done, the constant is that you're traveling, you're seeing new things. Um, so there's a level of excitement to that because you've never seen it before. You know, going to Tanzania and seeing the animals in the wild is crazy weird. You know, growing up in a city, the closest you have is a zoo and they're on the other side of glass or bars. Yeah. So, you know, when you're in a car and like basically you step out of the car and you're dead because those animals can just trample you or eat you or whatever, it's a totally different experience. Um, but what's also always a different experience is the improv. I've done improv shows for over a decade and never once have we ever done anything the same. Uh, no scene has ever come up where it's like, you know what we did? Like we didn't fall into step knowing that we did that same scene five years ago and we're going to try and recreate it because it's, it would never work. Um, and so when I teach an improv class, the people are different. The ideas they come up with are different and it's just always fun. And there's always one person in the class where you're like, you should go and take improv classes and do improv for a living. Cause there's always that one person that just has the natural gift for it. And there are other people who don't and that's okay, but they're learning something that's going to help them with the, the group of people they're around. And so in all the personal growth work I've done, there's been some uh, coaching where I've coached other people and, and what they want. And, it's just really exciting seeing people grow and get that, that magic moment, that light that turns on for them. And I just, I absolutely love that. I love that more than travel. So, well, um, I, I'm curious now cause, um, we've been talking about using it for team building and all that stuff. But when you talk about personal growth, obviously, uh, from that answer, there are some unexpected, um, or, or results from from getting involved in in improv that go beyond team building. Can you talk a, a little bit about what you mean by you know when, how it affects personal growth? So there's a lot of similarities between personal growth and improv. Uh, most people, when I talk about personal growth, I you know I'll name off some companies or people like Tony Robbins. Everybody knows who Tony Robbins is, uh, but there's so many people in the personal growth uh, field who are teaching people how to think differently, how to um, grow. And the commonality behind all personal growth is that it's awareness training. You have to be aware of your thoughts. You have to be aware of your emotions. You have to be aware of your actions because until you're aware of what's going on, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, all you're going to do is blame other people for your situation. Improv is exactly the same way. You have to the first rule is don't deny, which is accepting what is. Accepting what is means looking around and seeing what's there. It means being aware of the situation that's that's occurring. Um, so improv is just another form of personal growth at the end of the day. Um, it just happens to be a lot more fun <laughs> than most personal growth. Because most personal growth is like, here, here's a mirror. Take a look. Um, do you like what you see? You know? No, yeah. oh, you want to do something about it. So it's, it's yeah. really kind of a harsh way to do personal growth. Whereas improv, you kind of learn some tools and techniques to have fun with personal growth. And it just sort of takes on its own flavor from there. Well, well um, I don't know how to approach this because every time this subject comes up, I'm about to piss off half the world. Half of, <laughs> half, uh, but you talk about denial uh, and don't deny, don't, you know, what, what's really going on around you. We have a country now and probably a whole world, um, but definitely the United States where half, we, we live in two alternative where people have their own sets of facts and, uh, half of them are in denial of what's really happening, especially with this COVID thing. You know, we have people who, uh, just want to make believe it's not there and open their eyes and think it's going to go away. And then there we have people that are really focused on how, how, what actions can we, you know, it's real. And what do we do to make it go or deal with it? But there, we have a big segment of the, the uh, population is just in denial about it or just so 
I want to tell you, he's taking a temper tantrum. I just want things to go back to normal. I just want things to be normal again. And you think you can stamp your feet hard enough and whine enough about it that things will go back to the way you want them. Reality doesn't work that way. So uh, yeah. are, are there any kind of, I don't know, global, not global, but uh, societal uh, uses for, for what you teach and, and helping you know, I know you, yeah. it's a, it's a huge uh, thing to ask, but can we, can we help heal the, the, the big divide? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm actually writing a book on this very subject. <laughs> um, and it, it stems also from improv in that at the end of the day, nobody wants to be wrong. Um, if you figure out you're wrong on your own, you kind of beat yourself up for five minutes and say, oh, I can't believe I didn't know that or I was so stupid. And then you go on with life. When somebody tells you that you're wrong, you will fight them tooth and nail for <laughs> possibly forever. And that's where we are in society today is no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Here's the facts. No, here's the facts. And the funny thing is on social media, I see the same people um, or I see two different people from two different sides of the aisle sharing the exact same arguments about the other side of the aisle. And I find it very fascinating. It's like, well, your candidate's the liar. No, your candidate's the liar. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, to your point, there's facts, whether they're alternate or otherwise from both sides to justify them being right about their belief. Right. And unfortunately that creates a big divide because people will, uh, fight tooth and nail to be right. They don't want to be wrong. Yeah. Even if the facts are right there in their face, um, they just, they don't want to be wrong. Um, and unfortunately that stems from millions of years of evolution where if you were wrong or you went against the grain in your tribe, you were kind of like sent out into the world on your own and you had to survive on your own. Right. So actually agreeing with the people around you kept you alive. Now we're in a society today where that's no longer the case. You can go to the grocery store just as much as the the person next to you can go to the grocery store. Like it's not a big deal anymore. You're you choosing to be right with a group of people you're right with has nothing to do with your survival. Um, in fact, if you want to change your mind, there's another group that'll happily accept you with your mind change. It, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that I have found that even comes close to solving this divide is to take the person next to you and have a, a an actual in-person face-to-face conversation um, and say, why do you believe what you believe? And it's just a lot of questions. It's a lot of understanding and you, you may not change each other's minds, but you're going to have a different perspective from that person's um, viewpoint. It's, you know, the whole walk a mile on the other person's shoe scenario. Exactly that. Um, you know, back in 2016, I sat down with somebody who was on the opposite sides of the aisle and I said, why do you why do you want to choose the candidate you want to choose? Like, I don't understand um, from everything that I'm seeing. It doesn't make any sense that and this was a woman, in fact. So I was like, you know, from my perspective, you as a woman, your choice doesn't make sense to me. And. Uh, I'm doing my best to stay neutral. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, I hear you. And believe me, uh, I understand that inclination because it, it is you can start a war and get people just to hate you just for, because you you have an idea. Yeah, just because you chose who you chose, you're now yeah. the the worst person yeah. ever. So, um, but it it was through that dialogue that I understood their logic and their reason. It wasn't the same logic and reason I was using, um, and. Oddly enough, you know, this time around, I thought, you know, things would go one way or another um, with bigger, with a bigger, um, what's the right word? Like, I didn't think it would be so equal down the middle is, yeah. is really what it comes down to. I had no idea. Um, and that that stems right to our social media problem in that you're kind of fed the information you want to be fed so that you can stay right about what you want to be right about. Right. And well, your world then narrows to, well, that's what everybody else sees because that's the only thing I see. And that becomes a big problem. Yeah, I get that. And I think you hit the nail right on the head. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on what you just said there. Now, uh, you talked about one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations rather than social media stuff. And this plays right back to 
improv, I think the greatest skill, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the greatest skill in improv is the ability to listen. And I think, and I, I think that that's where, that's where we've we've fallen short as a society. We're kind of losing that that um, skill. Listening is a skill, right? It absolutely is a huge portion of improv. And I'm just going to make this really clear: we live a life of improv. We don't wake up. We don't have a script to to memorize, and we couldn't go through the day doing exactly what's scripted. There's no way. Um, so we are constantly living a life of improv. So learning the rules of improv isn't just to be on stage. It's to survive in life. And listening is absolutely one of those things. Um, it's not necessarily one of the rules, but uh, one of the rules is focus on the present. And focus on the present is having that conversation, listening to the person. Like if you and I were doing this and I was thinking about, well, I've got to go do this after the interview and I have this meeting later and I've got that project to work on. And I'm thinking of all those things while you and I are talking, this would not go very well. Uh, You'd constantly be like, Ben, Ben, Hey, Ben. And I'd be like, what was the question again? And nobody wants to watch that. Right. Right. Yeah. So listening is huge. And Again, it comes down to one-to-one interaction. Um, you know, how many like uncles and um, nieces or nephews don't talk because of this political divide? Whereas oh. if they just sat down and just said, you know, hey, uncle, why do you think this way? Or um, mom, why do you think this way? Or, or dad, I, you know, you don't seem like this type of person. So let's, can I understand where you're coming from? And That's just where the conversation has to go these days. Unfortunately, I have had a lot of those one-on-one conversations, and I think uh, there is a certain half of the society who really doesn't really under don't haven't really given any thought to why why they do or why they support who and uh, you know it goes beyond politics but if you go look deep into it and say what is the reasons you feel this way and this is why i am so big on language um i think people will repeat talking points and and use it as is if it's their own thoughts and social media plays into this as well so uh i heard something on the news and i'm gonna say this and I'm not going to really, I'm not going to even change a word of it. And I always say, you know, it's important to change a word of it. It's important to take that idea, filter it through your own brain and put it out in your own words, because what that does is challenge you to uh, measure it against your own core values and principles so that, you know, you, you hear something on the news and you, you want, you're tempted to repeat it. Think about it and say, how would I say that in my own words? And as you're saying that, you're realizing, you know what? This doesn't really match what I really truly believe in, or maybe it does. But you'll know for sure if you put it in your own words. If you're just repeating what somebody else said, it's intellectually lazy, but also you're selling yourself short because you you really haven't tested it against what you really truly believe in. And so, and, and I'm not people know where I stand politically on this. And so uh, there are people I know who are, are for Donald Trump, right? And, but they are uh, lower the debt people. They are uh, people who also believe in gay marriage. They also believe, you know, in supporting gay marriage. They also believe in, in uh, uh, pro-choice stuff. And they say, you know, do you think about why you're supporting who you're supporting and, and why, you know, it doesn't make sense because you haven't really, you haven't put it into your own words to measure it against your own core values and principles to realize, hey, that's not what I'm about. That's not what I really believe in. Uh, and I think that that's prevalent. So I'm wondering if there are any particular exercises or things that can um increase somebody and besides improv that you know about that would increase somebody's listening and skills and encourage them to kind of really do that measuring or these is this idea really a, a does it match up with my core values and principles yeah the saddest portion of all of that is that the person has to want to oh yeah you cannot make somebody like choose reason and logic or thinking for themselves until they want to. Um, So it doesn't matter if it's improv, if it's Tony Robbins, if it's this program, if it's that program, if it's this 
podcast, that podcast, until somebody wants to do something different or think differently or try listening for a change, it's just not going to happen. And too many people these days are so stuck in their lives of, I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I eat, I watch some TV, I go to sleep, et cetera, et cetera. They're just, they're, we are zombies as a society and we just go through it. And that's, that's how we're, we're living as a society. Now there are more and more people who are willing to do some of that personal growth. They're willing to become more aware of their thoughts and, and feelings. And, and again, I think it takes those people who are working on themselves to sit down with other people and say, Hey, um, you know, why, you know, you, you think about gay marriage and pro-choice and all these things as being acceptable. And yet you, you support a candidate who doesn't seem to stand for those things. Why, why is that? Can we have a conversation about that? And again, it really just comes down to those one-to-one conversations. Will you change their mind? Maybe. Will you get them to think differently? Maybe. Um, But as long as you're taking those steps, you've done something. Now, you know, I, I take my dad for an example. He's um, very stuck in his ways. And if it's not his idea, it doesn't matter. Um, now, as he's getting older, he's sort of letting ideas come from other people. But typically, if I have an idea for him, um, I've got to give it to him six months before he's going to do anything with it. And then it's <laughs> going to be his choice six months later. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to say, Hey, I told you that six months ago. I'm just gonna be like, my work is done. <laughs> right. You know, for some people, it's just planting that seed. And so if planting you have that seeds. conversation, yep. That's what so, I was going to say that. Yeah. I definitely can relate to planting seeds uh, and that idea. So taking this completely out of the political realm, if you're working with a company and, and, and say you're trying to implement this improv program for team building and you have somebody who's not who's decided they're not ready for this and uh, doesn't want to as you mentioned you have to want to grow uh do you have sometimes have to have like uh hard conversations with the the people in charge and saying listen this this person just doesn't want it and maybe it's time to cut ties is that part of your role or not um it can be. Uh, it typically doesn't reach that point. Um, that's to me. That's more of a consultative phase after the fact. Um, so what I do is, you know, when I come in and I do the training and I give these rules and these techniques and I then people uh, do these exercises. You know, they'll go on with their day and maybe they'll remember a few things the next day. Um, and with a lot of training that p- companies get the people might retain it for a week and then they'll go back to whatever they were doing. Um, I've had clients who are like six months later, you know, we still have that thing up on our wall. Um, I still find myself thinking this or doing that. And they're, they're referencing back to what I was teaching. Um, And if there is somebody who's not kind of playing along, it becomes more and more obvious. Um, Now either I can come in and do some one-on-one training or, um, really kind of take that consultative approach and ask the people around, like, what are you seeing? What are you not saying? Um, and, and maybe the person's just really, really shy and they don't want to do anything or, or maybe their expectation is just let me keep my head down. Let me do my job and let me go home at the end of the day. Maybe that's what they want. Maybe that's, what's going to make them happy. And it just, it creates a, a foundation for some really good questions and conversation um, after the training has a, the initial training has gone through. So, yeah, you know what? I think uh, no matter what we're talking about in the human condition, everything you're trained on needs kind of a follow up because humans are, uh, we have a, a predilection to backsliding. We, we kind of, uh, you know, something will last, and but the minute the teacher goes away, we kind of backslide into old habits and stuff. So it needs to be reinforced uh, time and time again, or at least peri- periodically until it takes. Uh, that's just my take on, on learning new things or implementing new ideas within a, uh, a institution or whatever. Uh, people too often coming coming back to expectation you can't expect it to take on the first 
<laughs> first step. Right. And I usually step. say like it's it's usually good to do every six months. Every yeah. six months because sometimes you'll have somebody leave, somebody new come in. Um and just like every other training of any sort, like you said, the more you do it, the more you kind of get those deeper levels of it. The more you understand it, the more you can implement it. So very cool stuff. So I have the uh, website up there, havingexpectations.com for the people on the audio side, which is almost everybody. Um, and, and so they go there. Um, I know you have a book there and that the book, I believe, is on Amazon. Yes. Yes. So, so there'll be a link to the book in the description as well. And the having expectations uh, dot com will be uh, in the description as well. Now, how what's the first step with you? Is there like a consultation? Or how does it work? Uh, yeah. So the other website is successimprov.com. That's oh, I'll the, put that one in too. I wasn't aware of that one. Oh, no worries. Um, but that's where uh, that's the team building company. So you just go to successimprov.com. Um, contact me and then, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll have an over the phone conversation, talk about what your needs are and uh, go from there. Great, great stuff. Ben, I thank you for this time. Uh, I'm not disappointed because I didn't expect my, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've, been, I've been dying to use that line for since I started this podcast. Don't expect too much and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> Today was like a gift to me, so I, I finally got to say a, a four-year-old joke. Um, <laughs> well, but I thank you for this time and insight, and I wish you great success, and we will definitely be uh, pointing some people to your websites, and you know, keep in touch. You're welcome to come back anytime you want. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. Ben Winter, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this program, uh, and I hope you will come back and tell your friends about it. I hope you got something of value out of this. I think you must have, uh, you know, if because especially if you're in sales or marketing at all, I come back to that um, idea of managing expectations with honesty and this a whole idea of discussion and dialogue and honest conversation is really, really important so that uh, when you see somebody like my, my sponsor who's going to be starting tomorrow wanting to really have a concrete idea of expectations uh it's important to manage those and not uh you know the, the whole concept of 
under promise and over deliver is going to lead to more happy people, more satisfied clients internally and externally. That's my big takeaway from today. Again, I hope you got some value out of this. I hope you come back and, and subscribe and tell your friends about it and get them to subscribe. Uh, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe there and go to minddogtv.com and get on my mailing list. So, you know, we're going to have great guests, great topics that you're interested in uh, and questions and comments for me. Info at minddogtv.com. Let's let me quick, uh, quickly find out who's on tonight. Oh, John C. Morley's on tonight. Uh, I don't even want to uh, preview what that's going to be about. It's it's up to you to tune in and find out. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. Uh, join me then. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for joining me. Have a great rest of your day. And bye for now. Those three words you said were meaningless. Don't you wait for my reply I'm just trying to make some sense out of it all Don't cry